What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane. And as always, thank you guys so much for joining us today as we dive into another movie, another spooky movie. But before we do that, it's time for a little shout out, I think. Oh, uh, yes, yeah, shout it out. I think I'm ready. Uh, So today... We are shouting out the podcast Once Upon a Scream. They are a podcast that I, I have been listening to recently. And they do horror movies, but then they also do Disney movies. So, yeah, it's like a mixture of two of my favorite things. <laughs> Not my favorite things. Disney isn't like my favorite thing. I mean, but Disney plus horror, that is a match made in heaven. Come on. Yeah. it. They talk about both genres, Disney movies and horror movies. They have really good chemistry. I love listening to their discussions. They're really funny. They are very entertaining. And their episodes feel like they go by in a breeze just mm-hmm. because, like, I'm entertained the whole way through mm-hmm. um so yeah homies if that sounds like that's something that's interesting to you then please go check them out and go give them a listen go give them a follow once again that's once upon a scream if you like what you hear let them know and yeah tell them the homies say what's up but are you a disney adult roshane am i just wait what does that what does that mean a Disney adult. Yeah. <laughs> like I need more a pers- context. A person that's like really into Disney. I'm not an adult. like there. I know a lot of people who are far more into Disney than myself. Like I'm not like a Disney fanatic, but I do love me some Disney. And like if you put on the right Disney movie, I will sit and watch it every single time. You know what I mean? You drop some Lion King on me. I'm I'm there. You know, I'm, I'm going to sit and watch that. Little Mermaid, but I'm I'm gonna sit there. I'm gonna sing along to all the songs, every single one of them. Are you excited for the live action Little Mermaid? Yes. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Yes, but like here's the the thing: like I haven't. Here's the thing: I haven't actually watched like a bunch of the live action Disney movies yet, so I don't have like a definitive um how I feel about them. You know what I mean? Like I still haven't seen right. Beauty and the Beast or like any of those yet. Or Aladdin. I haven't seen any of those. Uh, which is why I did not claim to be a huge Disney fanatic. Cause I like I like it, but I but I don't uh go completely out of my way to watch them. That's fair. And I mean also to be fair, I will, you know, I know I also know a lot of people don't like the live action. Who people who are like fans of the original versions of movies aren't fans of the live action ones Mm -hmm. which you know it's totally fair but i am excited i will say i am excited for the little mermaid because uh isn't she black she's black we got miss we got miss hallie bailey 
Um, Ooh, okay. Halle Bailey. Yes, we have her playing Ariel. And if you guys have never heard her or her sister, Chloe, sing, oh my God, they are amazing. And I think her voice just fits like a Disney princess. So I'm really, really excited to see her. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'll be fun. Uh, do we know when it comes out? Is there a release date for that yet? You know, we <laughs> you sure know. know. <laughs> uh, maybe there is, but I, I don't think so. I think they just have like next, maybe it's next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't think they have like a release date. I know they're still filming. Oh, okay. Interesting. Because I mean, like, I know the like was what Mulan was the most recent one. And I'm pretty sure that was a flop for most people. Or no, Cruella. Oh, no, Cruella. Would you? Well, okay. Would you count that, though, since it's like more of an origin story than it is like a rehash of uh, Dalmatians? I do. For me, I count any live action where they're taking a Disney character and doing like a live action thing mm-hmm. like i i always can i always count that just because disney's doing it and i feel like they're trying to like revitalize it because like i counted the maleficence like i count those as live action disney. okay yeah no that's fair that's totally fair i mean i've heard good things from at least my my circle of people i've talked to seem to have enjoyed it the couple people who have seen it um and i definitely stand emma stone so i'm sure i will Wait. like it I would like to see Emma Stone in a horror movie. Ooh, yeah. She'd kill it. I, I really think she would. She's got she's definitely got the range for it. I think we've seen her horror movie character already in like several of her other roles. Just like yeah, you gotta, you gotta piece them together and then you'll get her horror movie version. But I would love to see that. That'd be awesome. Yeah. All right, we'll write it. We'll write <laughs> All right. All right, I guess we'll write her a movie. Emma, we got oh, you. Just give us a couple of weeks. We're going to start the, start the screenplay, but we got you. <laughs> um, but, but switching gears to something completely unrelated mm-hmm. to, to that. <laughs> um, we are talking about uh, a, kind of a different one today. Mm-hmm. So we are discussing the 1977 movie The Sentinel. Mm-hmm. This homies is a movie that so this one is interesting because we heard of it we stumbled upon this movie in like a list the other day Mm -hmm. and both of us were i think kind of drawn to it because neither one of us had ever really heard of it before and knew nothing about it yeah which is kind of rare for us usually if if one of us hasn't seen it, like if neither one of us have seen it, at least one of us knows something, something about, about the movie it. we're going to be talking about. But that was just not the case for this one. And also, I think the 70s is a decade that we don't we don't cover or have not covered too, too many movies from yeah. that decade yet. We're trying we're trying to be better about that. But I do think, you know, we've been on a little bit more of a more current movies kind of track lately Mm -hmm. um so we thought it might be kind of fun to go back to 1977 and also talk about a movie that we literally have nothing no knowledge about Mm -hmm. well we do now (laughs) we do we didn't can i can i quickly admit something to you um since we're here talking about this 
when we decided to do this movie, you want to know what actually sold me? It wasn't the fact that we didn't know anything about it, or it was really when reading the synopsis, seeing that both Jeff Goldblum and Christopher Walken make appearances in this movie at some point in time. Bruh. When I read those two names, I was already sold on watching this movie. <laughs> this cast is stacked. <laughs> stacked like a delicious sandwich. It is just filled with people who, I mean, I guess by that point were already big names or people who would go on to be huge. Mm-hmm. They have huge careers. Every time somebody popped up, I was like, what? Why are, what are you doing here? I didn't, <laughs> I didn't expect to see you here. Hi. <laughs> uh, but I just, you know, in, in a moment of honesty here, especially because we're going to be going into some like churchy stuff. Uh, I wanted to make sure I was coming into this episode pure with uh, no skeletons in my closet. So that is the reason <laughs> <laughs> that oh I was gosh. very quickly. And you remember too, like, it's, <laughs> you like sent, you sent that. I was like, how about this one? It's very quickly like, yeah, yeah, no, let's do that one. Um, that's why I was so quick to say yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> well, there, there you go. I was wondering, I was like, okay tight tight he agrees he agrees kind of quick on that one but now i know why um and also homies before we get into this i would like to say um i'd like to throw a trigger warning on this movie because if any of you have any desires to see this i will say that self-harm and suicide is a pretty big topic in this Mm -hmm. movie so if that's not Something that you're like, uh, like if you don't think you'd be interested in that, I would completely avoid this movie. And you know what? That's fine. Um, but I did want to give you guys a heads up because it's like a, a theme throughout the movie. It's not just a scene in the movie. Yeah. It's like a, a pretty big theme. So I I just wanted to give you guys a, a some notice for that. Yeah. All right. Well, all right, homies. We are talking about, well, first and foremost, we are entering into spoiler territory. So. You have been warned, but we are talking about, as Erica said, The Sentinel from 1977. And now this one was directed by Michael Winner, and although it has a very, very stacked cast, it is starring primarily Christina Raines and Chris Sarandon. Allison, a young fashion model, moves into an apartment in Brooklyn, seeking some independence from her lawyer boyfriend, Michael. Allison's apartment is grand and luxurious, and her neighbors, although odd, are quite warm and welcoming. All, that is, save for the strange blind priest on the top floor of her building. Not long after she settles in, however, Allison begins to feel strange. Plagued by sleepless nights and fainting spells, Allison begins to spiral while staying in her new home, eventually turning to the church for help. Little does she know, the church already has their eyes set on her. Insert nosy neighbors, pissed off directors, and dramatic tumbles here. Our film concludes with Michael trying to solve the mystery of Allison's current condition before it is too late. Also, Worst birthday party ever. Roll credits. 
You thought it was a bad birthday party? <laughs> I mean, the birthday party was a pretty prevalent part, at least for me. But uh, we will we will get to that momentarily. Uh, for now, Erica, what's in your notebook? All right. The very first note I have, it's a double note because I wrote one thing and then I did like a little PS thing. Mm-hmm. So I wrote, Jeff, looking the fuck good, Goldblum. And, <laughs> and, then, and then I wrote that the opening of this movie is like a Mary Tyler Moore show opening. Because, Yo, for real. <laughs> okay, because okay, so when this movie opens, homies, well, it doesn't completely open this way, but we we get a quick thing with the priests, and mm-hmm. then it cuts to this like jaunty seventies tune. Right. Which real quick with the priests, I did write down in my notes. My first one was, yo, why these priests look kind of fly though? Because those priests were dressed to the nines and they in their robes and everything. Like each one had their own specific color that they were rocking. They had the trim going down the lapels. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know what kind of movie we're getting into, but these priests looking fresh as hell. Looking fly. Like they're about to go out and like perform. It was opening night. And they were like about to go do a, a little choir type of thing. But yeah, and then my man's had the ring, the like right? oh, that ring. big blinging in the church. I mean, just came in stunting on him. The way that he put his <laughs> hand out in front in front of all of them and had the ring on, I was like, you didn't have to do him like him like that. <laughs> Erica, like, he was just holding it out for Jesus. He just wanted he wanted to make sure <laughs> Jesus got a clear view. Of the rock sitting on this man's hand. Yeah, he's married to Jesus, and he wanted him to know. He said, "You got you put a ring on it, and I appreciate you for that." Um, but yeah, so then after we get that, we get Jeff Goldblum looking young. Jeff, baby Goldblum, looking he looks. He looks so young in this. So I, like, young. Even I knowing that he was in it, it still was so jarring to see such a young Jeff Goldblum. Just baby faced he like so he's a photographer in this movie he really honestly doesn't have that big of a role in the Mm -hmm. grand scheme of things his his character could have been cut out of the movie and it would have been the exact same movie (laughs) um which i wasn't expecting i i was really thinking he was gonna have a lot more to do um but yeah so he's there and i was like dang he looks good. He really <laughs> he did. He looking good. He looking real. Not only did he look good, but this man did not know how to button half his shirt in 90% of his scenes. He never does. I mean, he in never every does, single but movie. His, his V was was deeper than the Pacific. My, yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you. It was pretty deep. I think it's in his contract. I mean, every movie that I see him in, his shirt the the top buttons don't work like and i don't even know why they put them on there like they might as well not even sew those top buttons on he's not gonna use them it's a waste of buttons at this point <laughs> but yeah so he steps out on the scene and then we meet allison and so something about this opening I, I, this is like kind of a 70s thing so you know those like really long montages with music over them mm-hmm. but the music it just reminded me of the mary tyler moore show because she's kind of just gallivanting all over new york and there's this happy music playing in the background and she's right. wearing these beautiful dresses but i will say this is i actually kind of really liked be- I liked it because it was a good way of 
another instance of show don't tell where I learned mm-hmm. a lot about her character and her relationships and the fact that she's a model, you know, and where she lives, kind of a little bit about her personality. I mean, I learned all of that in the montage. Yeah, I was going to say that. I actually wrote down that they really dropped the entire exposition for this movie during that opening sequence, which was like really smart. It was a a really good uh, filmmaking move Mm -hmm. because you're right. We got so much information um, during the little tidbits just from seeing her, you know, doing her thing on like a daily basis. Yeah, it's really effective. Um, So I I appreciated that. But then the, the musical scores when they did come in were intense, like everything was so nice and all of a sudden it was like burr, 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 burr. <laughs> i was like what the fuck what happened she was like buying a hot dog when it happened i was like i mean is the meat bad is, it, is she about to get food poisoning it came out it just it came out of nowhere and i was like okay but that is an issue that will arise throughout this film is the audio is very it is not consistent like mm-hmm. the audio, the voice dubs, sometimes so- a one person, they'll be in the same room. One person sounds like they're talking through a megaphone mm-hmm. in comparison to the other person. It's like they didn't balance out the audio. And <laughs> I think a, a lot of it is because a, a lot of these lines are, are dubbed. They're done well, but they are dubbed because they're way louder. Than yeah, else. I, truth truth be told, I didn't really notice the dub too much. Maybe I was like watching other things, but like the 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 ADR and the dubbing over didn't bother me too much. Mm-hmm. But I can believe that it was very consistent throughout. Yeah, I and and that's I think because they did do a very good job of matching the mouth to the words, because that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing that makes you kind of clock it is the mouth is like completely off but they did a good job of you know matching them up it was just more of the volume discrepancy Mm -hmm. (laughs) true 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 the promise of the first half i actually really appreciate so because i what my one of my next big notes is i wrote that i i like the dynamic of allison and michael Mm -hmm. who are our main couple because I like I like that they are a couple that likes each other. Like they they get along fine. That's not the issue. They do love yeah. each other. But Allison just wants some independence. Like she just wants her own space. She just wants her own place. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what sets it off is she just wants to have her own separate apartment and be independent for a little while. And Which is I understandable. Like that. Based yeah. on how often my man Michael is asking her, so we gonna get married yet, or what's up, bro? <laughs> um, Michael. The way Allison was like when he asked her, and she was like, "This again?" I said, "Ooh, <laughs> how many times have you asked her, Michael?" Because that was not that. Like the way she responded was filled with some venom. It sounded like he asked her this exact same question over breakfast earlier that day. And she's like, Michael, come on. Yeah, she like poured out her Frosted Flakes in a ring. Fell out. She's like, Michael, oh my God. The last time I said <laughs> I'm not marrying your ass. I don't want to marry you. Which is also, they really could have gone in the way of, 
oh, they have this issue or like this is an, a really big problem in their relationship. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. Yeah, it like, really it was it wasn't at all. Like it was he very clearly wanted to marry her and she was not about it. But yeah, it didn't like push in that direction. It was just like this is just a thing. And yeah. she also was like, I'm getting a place. And she's like, no, I'm actually getting a place. Like, that wasn't yeah. a joke. She's like, I literally already put the deposit down. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm in the place right now. One of the places she looks at, they're like, oh, it's 600 a month. And she says, oh, that's too steep for me. So I looked up and I used an inflation calculator. Mm-hmm. And 600 a month would be 2685 today. Cool. Oh damn, is that what it is? Okay, that that uh alters one of my other notes then because I put um when she was like looking for a place and like she finally gets to like the place that we'll talk about in a bit, I was like, yo, imagine getting a fully furnished apartment in New York for five hundred dollars. Like I would be hella sus about that, but I completely honestly I didn't even think about the inf- I did think about inflation, but not to that degree of like damn. That must have been a shit ton of money in the mm-hmm. 70s. For one person. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, she's a model. So maybe she, she maybe she is making a pretty good amount. But yeah, I don't know, dude. That's expensive. Especially for that first one when they said it was 600 a month because she would have had to buy all the furniture for that Yeah, place. that's true. And ain't nobody got the funds for that. Nobody. She would have been smooth in debt by the time that she finally got it furnished and then she would have been moving in with michael right <laughs> like at that point <laughs> then maybe go back to that box of frosted flakes and like think again. <laughs> she's like lol uh actually <laughs> <laughs> this marriage thing is still on the table mm-hmm. <laughs> so we meet them and then she's like i'm finding a place right and then she so here's the thing with this movie honestly it's like it moves pretty quick fast like things happen really, really fast because she's looking for yeah. a place and then she just has a place. Like she within 10, 15 minutes, we're at the location that is going to be her new home. And mm-hmm. and like she's getting shown around, and like that's where I had my other note there where it's like, oh, this is like a pretty swanky spot for like the amount that she's paying for it. Um but it's also got like this weird thing about it with uh, this this very creepy old dude on the top mm-hmm. floor who's apparently a priest is just 100% of the time just staring out at the window looking at your soul. And, you know, for how nice that place looked, I think that might have been a deal breaker for me personally. I don't know about you. I don't know because it's $400. The real estate lady drops it from $500 to $400. Mm-hmm. Completely furnished. That apartment's pretty freaking big. And I would like to say that I would have turned it down. Mm-hmm. But then I thought back and I said, no, you wouldn't. Yeah. No, you wouldn't. Because I remember when me and Shantae and Ebony from the Six Feet Forever podcast, when we were looking for an apartment, our first apartment in L.A., I mean. Whatever you could get, right? It, like... it could have been. It could have been anything. We basically just moved in. This guy came out of a building and said, hey, y'all looking for an apartment? And we said, yeah. And we ended up moving into that apartment. I mean, the man was very, the man ended up being like a great person, but we didn't know that at the time. Like We were just like, yeah, yeah, we need an apartment. And we moved in. Mm-hmm. So like, 
I would probably do what Allison did. I'd be like, yeah, I'll take your apartment. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're right. You're right. Honestly, city house hunting is a little different. Like, yeah, you got to get a place in the big city. You definitely make some compromises that I don't think you would normally make in a lot of other places. Right. But though I will say the real estate lady was being really weird. That probably would have put me off a little bit. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I, yeah, I probably would have done it anyway, especially because it's like, oh, that guy's like all the way up on the top floor. Like, I'll never have to deal with him, even though he's looking into him. my past, present, and future every time I walk out yeah. of my building. But it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Everything, it's fine for $400 a month. It's fine. <laughs> can you put a price on your safety? I guess you can. Um, <laughs> but no, I agree with you. This movie is swift as the coursing river. We fly through huge events. We get to the part where her father is sick. Oh, my God. Yo, I wrote down. So I wrote down two notes in that part. Um, the first one was when we first see the dad. I wrote down, damn, her dad went out real dramatically. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the literal next scene, I was like, oh, damn, her dad lived quite dramatically as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had similar notes. So when we first see him for like the two seconds we get to see him, I was like, oh, he did. We're flying through. And then <laughs> when we get to that next scene, I was like, wowza, wasn't expecting that <laughs> because that's a, I do like the way that information gets kind of sprinkled throughout this movie and then you find out, you know, the real truth later. Mm -hmm. And the, and this is one of those moments it's it's you find out that Allison has had a little bit of a past where she has had to be in the hospital and Although this isn't the moment they were referring to in the beginning, it's kind of our first moment of seeing that she has had, that she has some kind of darker demons she, that she's dealing yeah, with. She got some trauma. She got some trauma. And so, but this, so she opens the door. <laughs> so we have a little flashback to her when she's like a little bit younger. Which is she literally opens... just her in like younger clothing. <laughs> like... But so she opens the door. Her dad, actually, you explain the scene. Go ahead and lay out the scene for us. Look, all I know is Mr. Father, when she opens that door, this man is lying butt naked with two women just having the, the, the most gleeful time I've ever seen on a screen while they are, I can only assume, fucking, but also simultaneously feeding each other cake um because <laughs> there yeah. was there was cake about and then they're just like laughing and having a grand old time and alice is just standing at the door just looking in horror which by the way allison got got a weird issue of just like not leaving situations <laughs> yeah <laughs> when she walks yeah. into them like a lot of this movie is allison walking into some clearly weird shit but then proceeding to just stand or sit through the weird shit as opposed to leaving the situation. Uh, yes, agreed. <laughs> she definitely outstays her welcome in many. I like I, I wrote later on, I was like, this girl has patience. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but she definitely stays in situations that I would have excused myself for, from. 
far far earlier but yeah so she walks in on her dad and um yeah they're like <laughs> shoving cake in his face i mean talk like, about have your cake and eat it too I'm, because whenever like weird shit you always like don't want to walk into your parents doing i think this one scene captured it like every version of it all at once yeah it's high up on the list for sure um and hey like to each their own <laughs> but surely he had to have known his daughter was going to be coming home from school soon but then his uh, but his also, reaction when she walks in <laughs> yeah he's just a horrible person yeah. from what we see he is a horrible human being so it's understandable that allison has some mixed emotions about him dying which is shown a little bit earlier we see that she doesn't she can't handle going to his funeral mm -hmm. um but yeah so that happens and then she kind of you know so she ends up leaving the room and this is the first time that we see her kind of try and take her life yeah. this is but also he... real quick this is right after her dad um uh slap the shit out of her slaps her like not once not twice not thrice but several times in quick um three stooges succession just back and forth back and forth back and forth after she walked yeah. in on his sexy cake party um and yeah and it's just so bizarre this is there are a lot of scenes in this movie guys that are just really bizarre mm -hmm. <laughs> like very very strange this is one of them because a what's happening and also because the women are just laughing <laughs> the entire time right? in the background and continuing to eat cake um but yeah so that happens and it's just a little bit of a peek into her past but another thing that i like about this entire situation unraveling is that it is also kind of gives us a look into why she's so hesitant to um be invested with michael because her mom was in an unhappy marriage and her mom stayed mm -hmm. because she didn't have anything for herself she didn't have another place to go to and so she just lived in the house with her dad and so that's just another thing that allison is afraid if she doesn't have a place of her own things go bad with michael she's stuck mm -hmm. Which I I like. I really do think that that's an interesting story to tell, and it, it made me more invested in her because I you know it just gave her character more layers. True, very true for me. So I liked I liked that aspect mm -hmm. of it. She gets this apartment, and we meet. We need to talk about these kooky neighbors. Okay, are we in the kooky neighbors? Did we did, wait? Did we skip the photo shoot? Because I do want to talk about the photo shoot. Are you talking about with the dogs? Yes. <laughs> Where uh, Jeff Snat Goldblum is back mm -hmm. as the photographer? Yes. It's a very we like talk about it. it's a very brief scene that like very easily could have been taken out of the film. Another scene where it's just like it's just there that but it was fun is just her doing like a animal photo shoot. I think it was just a stab at at photo shoots that have animals in them or just like kind of a a farce yeah. of it because they tr they take like one photo and like they snap a great one and immediately after that photo is taken the animals just go fucking buck wild everywhere <laughs> one of my favorite oh, lines in the shit. entire movie is the oh my god <laughs> yes oh my god 
I wrote that one down too. Oh my god, because a bird, a bird like, like a peacock flies. Yeah, a peacock like flies into the pool, and the guy's trying to catch it, and the it lands in the pool, and he goes, "Oh my god!" Not gonna get it like this again. So good. And like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was ADR too, just because of like how yeah. loud and just <laughs> how crisp it sounds. Crystal clear it was. But god damn it, if that was not my favorite line of this movie, I don't know what it is. It was so oh good. my god. Yeah, he's, it, it like ruins his life. <laughs> so yeah, they're trying to wrangle like all these dogs, all these birds. And this is also the first time that we get to see that Allison is having these like intense migraines mm-hmm. and fainting spells. Yes. Yeah. But but yes, yeah. moving moving forward into these um as we slowly start meeting the other residents of the building, um starting with uh Mr uh is it Charlie? Uh Charles Charles Sh- is it Shazen? Shazen. 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 Yeah, Charles I, Shazen. I think it's Shazen. Um the uh whew, what a what a friendly guy. One of those I'm gonna just let myself into your apartment types. Oh my god. Um, yeah. How'd you how'd you feel about him? Okay. So he yeah, he comes into her, knocks on her door and pushes himself into her apartment, is going through her apartment, just touching everything. And although he's being nice, he's also being very talkative Mm -hmm. and like wool is just kind of inserting himself into her life and he has a parakeet and then a pet cat named jezebel Mm -hmm. that he keeps talking about and he's like holding them (laughs) with him um but yeah i mean he was he's definitely out there he's he was fine in the movie but if this was a real life situation um Batman would have needed to leave immediately. <laughs> immediately. I would have been kicking, kicking him out. I, he seems like um, the type where, like, I would have enjoyed his like his shtick for like that first day, but then a month into living in that place, I'd be like, "Don't come near my door, bro." <laughs> Don't. Please, yeah. Because he seems like he seems like the type who is knocking on your door like every every day. single day at the exact same time just to just to say hello just to see if you're when there. he knows you're home yeah be like don't slide don't be sliding my door open because it's not a door that opens and closes it's like a sliding door as her front door mm-hmm. and i'm gonna be like don't slide <laughs> don't no, slide please. this <laughs> please don't because i can't i can't deal with this but yeah so he is very um fr- i mean he's friendly enough to her she finds him you know fine mm-hmm. she doesn't mind him um and so then she meets later a little bit later on she meets the downstairs neighbors mm-hmm. but this is another thing she walks into their apartment yeah like their door is slightly ajar and she says mm, i kind of want to see what the fuck's going on in there so she just walks in i wrote, <laughs> like, I wrote down the everybody just walk into each other's homes like dorms back in the day like is this how it used to be where you just don't even knock you just let yourself in doesn't matter whose house it is you just slip casually into somebody's house carrying a bunch of groceries i was like 
okay. And she seems very, very interested in meeting her neighbors. I don't know about you. I have never had any desire to nope. meet never. my neighbors. Not like, like, like I, said, I made the joke because like in college, maybe yes. Like during college days, like if yeah. I saw somebody interesting, like around, around the dorms, I'd be like, oh, who's this person? Like maybe try and get to know them. But in actual like adult life, I do not speak to my neighbors unless there is a situation that calls for it. And then if we're cool post that, all right, whatever. But like, I never initiate. Like, I am not one to go knock on my neighbor's door and be like, hey, I'm new to the neighborhood. Nice to meet you. Blah, 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 blah. Unless I have to, like, ask them something or apologize for something, I'm... As far as they're concerned, I nobody lives in this apartment. <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. Um, but yeah, so she is like meeting all of the neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, besides the priest, she does not bother him. Yeah. But so she goes downstairs and she meets San- Gertie. Gert Gert and-, and Sandra. So yeah, let's talk about this scene. Yeah, let's, um, let's so- talk about <laughs> this scene. This scene needs a little bit of conversation. Oh. She's a little dissection. We might need to cut her open a little bit. Yeah, so she goes into their apartment and she meets them and they are a couple. And Gertie is the um, more talkative of the two because Sandra doesn't talk at all. She's like completely silent throughout the movie. Um, so they, she comes in and... They have just kind of a general get to know you type of thing. Mm -hmm. And she sits down and is just kind of asking them questions. And they seem equally as kooky as Charles. And so then... But it's like acceptable kooky. It's just like they're eccentric. I think there's like... Yeah. That's the thing about it is up to this point, Mm -hmm. (laughs) up until what we're about to get into, everybody is just eccentric but not enough where it would be like it's enough to be like okay these people are a little different but it's nothing where you'd be like okay this is really weird Mm -hmm. like i'm going to leave but then um so gertie leaves the room and so then sandra and allison are sitting across from each other Mm -hmm. and sandra starts to finger herself In front of Allison. And to be fair, this entire scene, Sandra's kind of been like feeling herself. Well, it's because like kind of getting worked. Yeah, because like right before Gerda left to go get some tea, she like sat down and like she like put her hand on Sandra's knee for like a second. But then she like did that little slick little slide up her leg. Um, But then she like gets up and. that feeling apparently never left Sandra. <laughs> but also, like, in this, not that this is okay, because, like, Allison is a stranger, and, like, you shouldn't do things, like, don't do things like that in front of people you don't know. Right. But also, Allison, maybe they were about to have some sexy time, and you just walked into their apartment. True, true. Like, maybe, you know, like, Sandra could have already been all worked up because, like, maybe they were in the midst of doing yeah, that and, and just... you said, hi, <laughs> na- neighbors, I'm upstairs in room 504A. Like, bitch, give me a minute. Like, <laughs> give me a second. Um, but, yeah, so she, and while she's doing that, Allison's just kind of hanging out. Like, she's obviously uncomfortable, but she doesn't leave. Yeah, which is like, okay, that is... 
full license to leave a situation, Allison. Like you can in that in that scenario, you are more than welcome to leave the house that you broke into while the uh, owner is currently pleasuring themselves. Like you you can find your way out. You don't have to sit there yeah. to like, you know, be friendly. I don't think that's necessary at that point. She's yeah, already established like, that she feels a friendly connection between you guys. Yeah, it's like you're totally good to go. You can totally leave. But so she does. She kind of uh, so she leaves and then. But but um, uh, she but... doesn't leave uh, <laughs> immediately. Like she she sits there long enough for Sandra to finish and Gertie to come right. back. <laughs> so like right. she's there. When we say like she sat there for a while, like homie, she sat there for a while. She basically sat there long enough for Gertie to make a cup of tea for herself. Yeah, Sandra was able to finish. And as far as we know, Allison's groceries are getting spoiling in the bags <laughs> because she just won't leave. Oh, oh, and one thing I do, I want to like also point this out, is that another thing I like that they establish early is that the landlord keeps putting off uh, putting a phone into Allison's apartment. Mm, true. So she is always, anytime that she needs to call Michael or call anybody, she has to go to a pay phone. So anytime she's at the apartments, she's like cut off. Yeah. Like she cannot talk to anybody else unless she leaves, mm-hmm. which I liked too. Yeah. I mean, very, I that very was cool. subtle little thing. Because up until this, like, we haven't really hit any of the horror aspects of this yet. Like, it really kind of, like, goes into that in the second half. And, like, so these little things that they put in throughout the beginning half really do set up a lot of stuff for later on. Yes. Yeah. This is all, we're all just, we're sprinkling the seeds Mm -hmm. right now. So I think then, um, so then. There's the, there's the scene where she has to go do that commercial which um even though that director was a complete asshole i gotta say i was also getting a little frustrated and being like yo allison just put the bottle down with the label forward you i know you are a professional model and i know you know you cannot be making 17 take fuck-ups like that over a wine bottle girl you gotta get your shit together i know i know at home life ain't the best right now but uh you at work you gotta step your shit up this part was stressing me out, yeah, because they're, like, going take after take after take, and the director's getting upset with her because she can't set the bottle with the label facing the camera, and then when she finally gets it, it's out of focus, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but but then, so that she, like, she walks off, she has one of those fainting spells, mm-hmm. and she falls through a pane of glass and shatters all of the glass. The director is like, oh, my God. I can't bring in it. We got to bring in, bring in another model right. to get the, 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 the close up. He cannot be fucked. Yeah. He does not care at all. Um, which is kind of like a theme throughout this movie. I don't know if this was intentional, but it's that like she, you know, she's in this world. She's in this modeling world and this kind of entertainment world. And this, thing is happening to her and a lot of the people around her don't care about her health it's just like oh you look bad or or you know we're not able to finish this take or whatever it's like a lot of them don't seem to care about her 
besides Michael, like he's really yeah. gung ho about figuring out what's wrong with mm. her. Because even her friend, I mean, she has so she has one really really good friend, and she you know she's there for her. But even later on, like Michael's like, will you stay with her? And her friend's like, uh, I have a party. Oh yeah, that's, uh, Je- that's Jennifer, right? <laughs> yeah, I lo- yeah. I love that. She was like, you want me to what? Have a party? What the hell? She's like, um, I have an event tonight. Uh, and he's like, okay, well then, can she come to the party? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, but yeah, because they're like meant to be best friends. But mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so then they that after that happens, she goes back to her apartment, and this is when we get the birthday party. The birthday scene. party. Let me tell you, Erica, I wrote down that. Whatever this party was is my actual nightmare. Like, <laughs> genuinely, genuinely, if I was living on my own, I walked into my apartment building and I got shuffled off by one of by one of my uh, neighbors into this specific party. Um, I would think that I was either in a Twilight Zone episode, asleep, or in just like a spell of psychosis because this shit was a wild fever dream that made me sweat i'm saying because this is another thing where she is just so she allows charles to blindfold her and lead her up she's like dude i'm not feeling very good um i might be dying and he's like oh a party will make you feel better and he like blindfolds her and pushes her into this room if i was her i would have been like okay i'm going to see like the dinner scene from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> as soon as he takes his blindfold off of me. Um, but, in, well, and I mean, kind of. So she sees, <laughs> like, they, they take it off her and she sees a birthday party for Jezebel the cat. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the, the couple, so Sandra and Gertie are there. Obviously, Charles is there. And then we meet... A whole slew of characters. So we meet Miss Miss Clark, mm-hmm. who is also all. I mean, every single person that she meets in this apartment complex is eccentric. Yeah. Um, they are not like they are definitely over the top characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is really the first time that you kind of get the idea that everybody is like that. And so she meets Miss Clark, and then she meets the like Cla- the, the Clatkin sisters. Yeah, who supposed to be twins? Are, who, you know, are very loud. <laughs> and then there is a guy that's sitting there who switches moods very quickly. One minute he's happy, the next minute he's super mad mm-hmm. and irritated, and then the next minute he's singing "Happy Birthday." Yeah, uh, things are moving quick. Moving <laughs> quick. Also, can I quickly ask? Um, from Erica's perspective, yay or nay on pet birthday parties? How do how do we feel? Um, I don't know. Like, I think they're kind of cute, but I like they. Some of them are really cute. I personally would never throw like a a birthday, like a legitimate birthday party. Like, I maybe would do like, oh yeah, here's a little thing for my dog that me and my boyfriend are gonna do together like i don't think i would ever invite people and like have a full-on birthday party yeah but i 
That's... I will say first and foremost, I am team y'all. Stop having pet birthdays. Like stop having legitimate pet birthdays. All right, it's oh, it's okay. Like like you were saying, Erica, have like a small gathering of very very close members to said pet. That's fine. I'm cool with that. And I'm even cool with having a birthday party that's really more so just like, oh, let me see a couple of my old friends that I haven't seen in a while under the guise of like this pet's birthday, right? But a pet mm-hmm. birthday party that is a legitimate birthday party, like it's a small child birthday party for a pet, y'all got to cut it out. I think I think we just need to let that die <laughs> because come on now. <laughs> come on now. I that's mean- That's silly. That's silly. I'm sorry. That that being said, if you wanted to invite me to one, <laughs> I mean, I'd probably go. <laughs> but like, you know, it is what it is. And I, I, I don't know. I Sometimes I think it's cute. I think it's kind of cute when people do like a pet birthday party and they invite other pets mm-hmm. as the guests. But then obviously like their owners. Yeah will be there like i don't know i think that that's kind of cute yeah because i'm like oh they're all they're all little dog friends yeah that, that's um that's fine and look that's fine too here's here's my my issue it's just like i for me i just need there to be a clear line that it is a pet birthday party and i feel like some people along the way lose sight of that and just like it it, it depends on the owner but you know, maybe that's just maybe just that's just my personal experience coming out and my and my skeletons coming out of my closet of experiences <laughs> that uh, we will not talk about today. My own, my own issues. <laughs> my own personal my own vices grossing. over pet birthday. Yeah, party. I feel like yeah, there's a story <laughs> story behind that. <laughs> I think. Um, but so after this birthday party. Which is another scene that just kind of cut, like it just kind of ends. Right. And then next thing we know, she's laying in bed and she's having a nightmare. And in the nightmare, she's just kind of reliving the birthday party, but everything is weird. Mm-hmm. Like everybody is, there's no music playing. It's silent. Everybody's standing on one side staring at her. All of the women are naked. Mm-hmm. And then Michael is there and he's just kind of sitting in a chair, like <laughs> not doing anything. And then they rip off her clothes. Yeah. And she just kind of like falls into Michael and then the dream is over. Yeah. It's like a momentary art film. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It's like a student's like, yeah, Thesis art project. film. Yeah. But they're like, well, she represents, uh, she represents innocence loss. And then they... <laughs> They are society waiting for her to pass over into adulthood. Oh my God. And my, Michael is uh, the last remnants of her childhood. Oh, so good. So deep. Snaps all around. Yeah, and everyone's like, and everyone's like, Jake, that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, it was, a, it was honestly at this point, I wrote in my notes, like, yo, what the fuck is happening in this apartment? Because it's, it's right yeah. around here where shit starts to get really weird. Like, more weird than it's already been. It gets, like, really weird. Uh, really weird. Yeah, it's really weird. And it's hard to pinpoint. That is one thing I'll give this movie. I never knew mm-hmm. what was happening. Like, I was like, I literally have no idea what's going on at this apartment. Because, so that happens. And then she is told that nobody lives in the apartment right above her but then one night she wakes up and the like the chandelier is swinging mm-hmm. and it sounds like somebody is walking 
across the floor, mm-hmm. which is a very creepy idea. Yeah, most of is very effective, I think. Um, and I liked, you know, the image of just the chandelier like, swinging side to side. Mm-hmm. And it's a creepy enough apartment building. Like, the, the her apartment in itself is a nice apartment, but the building is old enough that it's creepy looking. Like, they obviously don't upkeep it. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those things where you're like, okay, girl, don't leave your apartment for sure. Mm-hmm. But also, it's kind of scary to be in there, and she doesn't have a phone. So. Yeah, so it's like she's in this shitty situation. But then, so, like, we know that there's nobody who lives above her at this point. But right. then she meets up with the landlord and is like, hey, I got some questions. Because, you know, all this weird stuff starting to happen. And then she's, like, talking about the different people in the building and, like, going to the birthday party and all this. And that's when the bo- when they drop that big bomb on all of us collectively that besides her and the priest, there ain't nobody else living in this apartment complex. Nobody. Ain't nobody. <laughs> nobody. Mm-hmm. There ain't nobody up in here. <laughs> and I will admit the movie got me. I was not expecting that. I did not think that was the direction that we were going. I was like, oh, Dude. Okay. Yeah, me neither. I thought those people were really going to be just, you know, I thought maybe it was one of those things where the apartment building was just kind of influencing people. Mm-hmm. But I could tell as soon as she started talking about it and the real estate lady started smiling at her, I said, oh, Lord. Yeah, that real estate lady was They're not so real. creepy, right? Yeah, she is. Yeah, she was an oddball herself. Mm-hmm. Um, but so she, yeah, she is told that nobody has for like the last three years, that building has not been occupied by anybody but the priest and they go back and they check all of the rooms and all of the rooms look completely different. They're unlived in all of the furniture and stuff that she, that she saw previously is no longer there. It's just an empty room with maybe like some scattered Mm -hmm. furniture and stuff. So now, uh, old girl thinks she's losing her mind. Which and to be fair, is. she is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, she's not wrong. <laughs> um, but, okay, let's talk about this scene with her quote-unquote father. Right. Where she goes to investigate. Yeah. So I thought this scene was pretty cool. Like, I, I the the creepiness and the atmosphere that they were able to create for me was pretty dope. Pretty. It's not like a, it's not a jump scary type feeling or anything. It's just. Nah, but for seventies horror, it actually was pretty like good. Like I loved a lot of the shadow effects that they were doing with lighting and stuff. Like as she's like traveling through the building, trying to figure out what's up. Cause basically she's getting the, She's getting the chandelier swivel again, right? So she's like, you know what? Fucking enough. <laughs> she grabs a flashlight and a knife. She's like, I'm about to go handle my business right now. No more of this. And so, like, she's, like, traversing this really old building, like, late at night. And, like, everything's just kind of twisted and, and and creepy and dark. And it looks super cool. Um, there's, like, a brief intermission halfway through of... Um, what's the cat's name again? Jell... Jezebel. Yeah, a uh, quick random intermission of Jezebel um, eating the bird that belonged to Chazen, uh, mm-hmm. which I very affectionately wrote um, 
my boy Sylvester finally caught Tweety, apparently. Oh, my God. <laughs> but uh, post that, yeah, she, like, goes up to... Is she just going into the room above her, right? Like, that's where she went? Yeah. Yeah, she goes in there, and then we see her zombie father, like, back from the grave, like, apparently yeah. trying to torment her. And yeah. she essentially, like, she does the quintessential horror trip, which, you know... What is the seventies? We we we're not that meta yet, where we're trying to get rid of that. Um, but she does at some point get like caught, and yo, she fights back. She stabs the shit out of her dad. She slice. She does. She slices him She's up like sushi. Slicing and dicing. Mm-hmm. Cause she like cuts him. She cuts him a bunch of times. She cuts his nose mm-hmm. off. She cuts his eyeball out. Um, cause she just blindly like, like yeah, yeah, <laughs> she's yeah. blindly swinging. Um, but yeah, which I'm glad. I'm glad she brought the knife with her. That's the thing about Allison. She she has her moments where you think, okay, if this were me, I would be leaving now, or like, okay, girl, get out of there now. But she is actually she's not a stupid character. Like she is clever in her own way. And I will say with the way that this movie ends and the way that we kind of realize that there were these different influences on her, I'm able to forgive. Some of her stuff, yeah. Yeah, some of those moments where I'm like, okay, why wouldn't you leave? Like that kind of stuff I'm able to forgive knowing what was really going on. Right, right, right. But so that happens and then um, it gets too much to the point where like she runs out on the street she's like covered in blood and she's like screaming at the top of her lungs but like all the real neighbors come out and like you know get her to a hospital and all this stuff and then which Mm -hmm. jumps us a little bit forward into just like the rest of this movie where you know you jump like three weeks in a scene Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, we get into the hospital and then we we're going into the kind of like the detective side plot here yeah it becomes like a an episode of monk yeah because we get uh detective Getz and then also detective rizzo um and a very familiar face mm-hmm. in uh detective rizzo because another young star we get a, a young christopher walken yeah is in the building even though he christopher has walken like, on zero the lines the entire movie yeah he says like three words <laughs> right he's Every time he says hello, and that's like off screen. <laughs> it's crazy for how much the camera stays on Christopher Walken, like while he's in the movie, how little he actually speaks. Like he never says a word, but he gets a substantial amount of screen time. Yeah. So this these two police detectives, and they are have been after Michael for a while yeah, now. Yeah, they got beef with Michael. They got some beef with Michael, which. Were they wrong? No. Not, re- not really. They weren't wrong. They weren't. In the end, they were right. <laughs> so, like, it, the beef is understandable. But they come in hot. They think, because they think that Michael. So, this is where we find out that Michael was married. Mm-hmm. And he was, but also, like, in love with Allison. Yeah. But his wife ended up uh uh, killing herself she jumped off of a bridge and so that kind of freed him up and then like basically right after that happened him and allison got together yeah. so the police are like uh 
that's kind of weird. Yeah, that's a little sus, like, Michael. That's a little That's kind of suspicious. Mm-hmm. So the police are like, it's just kind of funny that, <laughs> like, that happened. And, and then right after that happened, Allison uh, overdosed, but she survived. Mm-hmm. And so the, when she got out of the hospital, they were together. And so the police are like, what's up with you, dude? Like, what's your deal? Because yeah. why are these what's why are these women having such a hard time after they start dating mm-hmm. you? And Michael's like, I, I just, I'm charismatic. I don't know what you want me to say. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, they can't, they just love me too much. So we come to find out. <laughs> Well, because they, you know, Allison straight up was like, yo, I think I killed somebody. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, I hate to say it, but <laughs> I think I murdered someone last night, but they can't find a body. Yeah. And like, also, she said, I think I killed my dad. And they're like, uh, the dad that's been dead for three weeks. Yeah. Which is like one of those. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they had to have picked that up and been like, OK, that's that's a little strange. Um, yeah. The whole situation is just weird it's very <laughs> very weird but they do actually find a body as not too yes. long afterwards there is actually a body there is a body because michael had hired a like private investigator basically to go suss out the situation at the apartment and he was there the exact same night that allison killed what she thought was her father mm-hmm. so yeah they find his body looking a little rough looking a little rough with a lot of stab wounds and with the same blood type that is on our girl Allison's mm-hmm. uh, person when she's scooped up that same night. Right. But they're like, but also that's her but blood that's type. But that's also her like, blood type. Which is like weird because like, now correct me if I'm wrong, but that is actually the extent of that, right? Like we don't go any further into that plot point, do we? Uh, basically, yeah, that's basically the extent of it, because, like, the the main man, the main chief, the, like, the chief of police mm-hmm. kind of shuts the police officers down. Yeah. And, they're, and he's like, you guys are a little bit obsessed with this guy. Like, let it go. And the detective's like, um, no, 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 uh. <laughs> no, I don't even care about him, dude. Like, But, like, what if he did it, though? <laughs> so the police chief kind of shuts it down and they continue to look into it but that's the last we really see of them like they just kind of they're like we're on to you man yeah. and then they aren't in the movie the rest of the, the time we switch then from detective movie over to like uh the nun prequel <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, you know, all of a sudden everything gets we go back to the beginning of the movie where everything was all religious and it's like we're religious again baby back to religion mm-hmm. because uh um, yeah allison is now with very little like she's fine she gets out of the hospital at some point she's on like hell of medication she's looking she's not looking good y'all she is she's going through it and yeah, she, looks yeah, she looks real rough so in this level of despair she's like you know what Fuck it, Dan. Uh, I'm going to go back to church. Uh, which, you know, I get it. I get I get the mindset. You're like, let me go get a little assistance from God. Hopefully get a little alley-oop mm-hmm. from Jesus. Uh, so she goes back to the church. Um, we find out that she has denounced, uh, like she's Catholic, but she's denounced Christ at this point in her life. So she's kind of like going back to see if she can get like a, re- a reconnection to God and all this stuff. And then she meets 
our same priest from the beginning of the mm-hmm. movie. How do we know this? Because that big ass rang was shining in that, that church. Bling. That bling. <laughs> yeah. So he comes out and once again he's stunting on him because he puts his hand out and she sees the ring. She thinks about kissing it. She doesn't do it, but she thinks about it. She doesn't, but she's like, damn, if I was going to kiss a ring, <laughs> it, kind of, it probably looked like that. But yeah, so they talk a little bit, and he's like, yo, I get it. Like, tell me all of your sins, which she does. And it kind of, and it makes her feel better. Like, after she does that, she's feeling great. Mm-hmm. Like, the best she's felt. So then from here, basically the rest of the movie, Spirals. up until like the very, <laughs> the very last end is just like Michael on his like, Sherlock Holmes adventure where he's like going around trying to solve this mystery because for a little bit Allison is kind of just like sick and out of it mm-hmm. um, but like he takes her back to the scene of the crime and she keeps keeps saying how like things just are changing like little details about all of the apartments are changing right. and she feels like something's off she sees this book and to him, it's a regular book. To her, it's written in Latin. So she like transcribes it. And it's a passage from Paradise Lost. Mm-hmm. And so from there, he like goes. When I tell you Michael was all across the map, <laughs> I mean, he was driving all across New York. He like goes to visit the priests. And then he goes to visit a teacher to talk more about Latin. Basically, Michael finds out that everybody that Allison met that night was that night of the birthday party. And all the people that she's been seeing in the apartment, besides the priest, were murderers that are no longer alive. So everybody she met that night was dead. And then he finds out that... Okay, I'm trying to figure out the best way to explain this. So basically, a bunch of people, like he finds these files and everybody that's in it was like living their life, going about their life. And then they tried to kill themselves. And then after that, they went missing. But then they popped back up and they were like nuns or they were priests. Mm -hmm. And so he finds out that Father Halloran, that is in the apartment building right now, the same thing happened to him. His He is supposed to die the next day, and he finds out that Allison is supposed to disappear the next day and become Sister Teresa and take Father Halloran's spot. Which is like, damn, they really got their shit organized. <laughs> Like who's ever I mean, who's ever handling this yeah. like godly possession shit? You know they got they got their books all checked out. It was it was a real uh, smooth operation they've been running up until now. Yeah. So now Michael is he's twist he's twisted the fuck up because he's like I don't know what to do about <laughs> this. Like I don't know what to do. Um, How does one stop what did you think? religion? Yeah. What did you think about this? realization did you like it or look it's like it was about at this point in the movie truth be told where i just i was just kind of going with it i didn't really have feelings towards what was happening because it was just like (laughs) there was so much like all kind of happening to the point where like at 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 some point 
it was, all right, tomorrow, Allison's supposed to be this person. So clearly, whatever is about to happen is going to happen on that day. And I was kind of just sitting waiting for it. I was like, all this lead up, there's a lot of things. I know for a fact this movie will throw plot points at you that are not going to continue. So I'm just like, you know what? Let me make it to the end. And hopefully that'll clear some stuff up. And, you know, we'll really get to figure things out. Spoiler alert. Doesn't really at least not for me um with the with when we get into the last section of this movie cuz it just gets it just gets wild like it just gets wild yeah. fever dreamy and like i didn't really know how to deal yeah the last part of this movie is bonkers cuz basically so michael goes back to the apartment with a gun and with a gun <laughs> um and is like trying to get fa- Father Halloran to tell to give him answers. So, and Michael's like threatening to kill him, but I'm like, no, don't kill him. In yeah, the whole to keep point, him alive doesn't kill. You don't want him to die, <laughs> <laughs> like because then Allison, like, yeah. So Michael has no plan basically. Um. So yeah, he comes in, and so then Allison ends up coming later, and when she gets there. Michael is acting a little strange. Mm-hmm. Um, he is being weird. Come to find out he's dead and he was killed <laughs> because uh, he was trying to kill Father Halloran. He got killed. But basically what's happening is the whoever is up there, they are the sentinel and they are a guardian because where that apartment is, it is the entrance to hell Mm -hmm. and so they keep everybody in hell and protect the earth but there always has to be a guardian or else everybody will just be running wild in the streets um and so allison is meant to be the newest guardian because she was chosen and michael is now in hell because it turns out he did murder his wife. Yep. <laughs> Straight up. Uh, what a surprise. Yeah, he definitely murdered her. So now he's in hell because he was not such a great guy. What are you talking about? The angel Uriel was stationed at the entrance to Eden to guard it from the devil. Since that time, a long line of guardians, sentinels, have guarded the world against evil. Right now it's Father Halloran upstairs. Tonight, you become the next sentinel. I did, like, jump in a little bit back real quick for a second. I did like how casually they kind of introduced this, like, infidelity thing with him and Allison. Because, like, when she's, like, confessing her sins back at the church, one of the ones was like, oh, I've committed adultery. And it was yeah. very quick. Um, and they didn't expand on it at all. She just kind of said it. And then it was one of those, like, as the movie progressed and, like, I thought about it more, I was like, I was, I was like, kind of strangely out of place. And then, like, I started piecing things together. And then once we get to that realization, it's like, oh, okay. That was, it was another example of them kind of sprinkling in, like, little things. I was like, oh, that was kind of cool that they did that. Which I liked because, you know, this whole time, it is almost a question of like, what d- did his wife? Yeah, because Michael. Like, what happened to her? And then he's too cool. Like, he's too. Like, yeah, he really does not seem like he cares at all that his wife. <laughs> like, <laughs> what happened to his wife? He moved on very, very quickly. So, like, you hear that and you're like, oh snap. Okay, yeah, he he wasn't the best 
person. Um, so now we get into this thing where everybody that she's met mainly so charles is kind of like the leader of it but everybody that she's met is coming out and the whole reason that they were so kooky and crazy was they they were trying to get her to kill herself so that there wouldn't be a new guardian mm -hmm. and so they are still trying to do that here is my issue i don't like that so all of these like other minions and stuff come up from hell yeah. and they're like there to scare her mm -hmm. um i don't like when movies take uh, people and who are you know ha maybe have f like physical deformities or medical issues that give them a different appearance and they use that as like oh isn't this scary yeah like i i, I don't like that and i wish really wish that they didn't do that I wish that they just stuck with like the the same idea that they had with everyone we've seen so far because they're already acting crazy. Everybody's naked. There's rats everywhere. Everybody's slithering around <laughs> like like that was enough for me. I I don't like that, you know, they're using real people and that like that's what they really look like and trying to say and trying to scare people with that. Yeah. I don't like that at all. And like honestly, even even that aside, all the minions felt very um, superfluous to the actual thing that they were trying to do. It's like mm -hmm. in that in that whole sequence, like I didn't even really like care about the other people. Like my eyes were usually bouncing between the characters that we already developed and knew from earlier in the story. Like I didn't really right. care about the nameless extra minions. They were just kind of there as set pieces which is like that that's it, it's unnecessary and i understand that they were trying to make her feel very overwhelmed mm -hmm. and and that part is fine if you need more people then didn't do that just get extras but yeah it, it was just weird because i you know i think if you take a movie like the movie freaks mm -hmm. where that is the case and they took actual people you know and it, who had those deformities and they used them in the movie the difference between that movie and this movie is in freaks the you know quote unquote non-freaks in that movie were made to look they were the villains mm -hmm. in that movie they so you cared about the freaks yeah and then in this movie it's like the complete opposite mm -hmm. so that kind of bugged me that was kind of a bummer because it kind of like made this last bit I don't know. I just felt uncomfy because I didn't like that aspect of it, and it was a huge aspect of mm -hmm. it. Um, and and it and it sucks because I do think that Charles and everything that he was doing, I really enjoyed that, but it was just like bogged down by that idea. But basically, they you know try and get her to kill herself so she won't be the new guardian. But she ends up taking the cross and being a guardian. And then uh, later on, we see that they have, and so everybody goes back to hell mm -hmm. because she is now watching the the portal again. Yeah. And so then we flash forward and we see that they have revamped the apartment. It looks a little bit more modern. They are selling or trying to get more people to move in there. And we see that Allison is now a reclusive nun and she is now also blind and just sitting and staring out the window like Halloran was. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, she looked cool. I give him that. I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, she looks cool in her new, like, uh, 
sentinel state but i don't know for me it, it just got to the point where like they knew that they wanted to get to that ending shot you know what i mean i feel right. like the latter half of the whole movie was just all crammed together and and crafted just to get to that one shot and that kind of like I don't know. Like, it happened. I was like, cool makeup, bro. And then <laughs> the movie was done. I was like, all right. Well, you know. The, I, I, I will say this, though. I liked the idea of the Sentinel. I did enjoy it. I thought it was a mm-hmm. cool premise. Um, and then also, I think this, this movie, correct me if I'm wrong, is, like, based on, like, a novel. Um, so maybe mm-hmm. they do a better job with, like, navigating it in the novel. But... Like, I like the idea. I just felt like the execution to get there towards the end of the movie felt kind of sloppy. Yeah, it, it's wonky. And I and I do know uh, that the director of this movie and the author of the novel did not agree at all. Like, they did not get along. No, the author of the novel really disliked the director, did not like what he did and didn't want him to be the director Mm. um so i you know we've never read the book so i don't know if maybe that's because he deviated from it too much or if they just didn't see eye to eye to be fair it does not seem like the director got along with uh anybody (laughs) in this movie so that could just be uh you know, just be his personality right. the way that he is. Because I know that particularly him and the actress that played Allison, they did not like each other at all. Mm, okay. um, but yeah, you know, it's one of those things where I think because the the middle part to me was kind of the strongest mm-hmm. section because I enjoyed kind of seeing her go crazy and question herself and i enjoyed figuring out what was going on um so yeah once we got to the ending it was nice to know what was happening and i i didn't i liked seeing her become the sentinel and you know like now that's her Mm -hmm. job is she's just gonna sit up there until she dies is is it's a sad you know kind of a sad ending for her but yeah the execution of it was just really sloppy. Yeah. And weird. <laughs> left, definitely left, yeah. It left me with an eh taste in my mouth. Like, at the end, yeah. I was like, oh, what a cool idea that just didn't quite necessarily hit it. Um, but I guess, like, on that topic, then, should we should we rate it so that we can lay it all out, get get our opinions out there? Yeah. Um, what should we rate this out of? That is a fantastic question. It could be misplaced bottles of wine. Um, mm-hmm. It could be birthday cakes. Birthday cakes. Bir- I, honestly, it should probably be birthday. Black and white birthday cakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Black and white birthday cakes. Okay, I'm I'm down for that. Um, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, I, I could go first. Um, <laughs> okay. I think I would, overall, I would give this movie probably two and a half um, black and white birthday cakes. Um, because for me, this movie was the definition of they had me in the first half, not gonna lie, where (laughs) it's true. It's, it's, it's very true. Like when the movie at the start of the movie, like it's got kind of like this quirky seventies feel to it. That was actually really vibing. Like I was, I was really vibing with this movie for the first half. And then also like you in the middle section, once we got to the reveal that something was actually up and eerie. And once we learned about what was kind of happening. I got very excited to see where the movie went. 
But then we actually got there and I felt like I got super disappointed. So like, even though I really enjoyed the first bit and like, I, I'd say like I enjoyed like 60% of the movie. And I, this is actually a movie that I could see myself just kind of throwing on in the background and just having going just for some of those earlier scenes and for sexy young Jeff Goldblum. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, now the 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 ending and the latter half of the of the movie really left me a little bit disappointed, and it was it was just kind of a shame because I thought the premise was kind of cool and I was excited to see where it went, but it kind of left me wanting. So, I, I might give this one a, a two and a half uh, black and white birthday cakes. Noise. Yeah. Um, you know what? I'll give it a three black and white birthday cakes. Okay. It's just like right in the middle for me mm-hmm. because. I I do really I did actually really enjoy the storytelling. Um I enjoyed the set design and what they were able to do with that to give this always kind of creepy unsettling environment for our main character. Mm-hmm. I thought that I thought that was really effective. There is not there's not a lot of scary stuff that happens in this movie that we see but i think that the idea behind it and putting yourself in allison's shoes is a creepy idea yeah i liked the characters particularly our main character i mean she was you know they're they were good they're not they weren't great but i i liked following them and i enjoyed the dynamic of their relationship because i actually because they got along so well, the main couple, it was nice. Like, it was nice to see, watch him try and figure everything out to try and save her. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I don't know. It was fun solving the mystery with them. Like I said, I never knew what was going on. Everything that we found out at the end, whether it be, you know, him really killing his wife or her kind of uh, history or what was actually going on with the apartment, like, I, I didn't see any of that stuff. I didn't pre-think any of that was actually going to happen. So it was a nice surprise for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It, it was it was in the middle. Like the ending was, eh, you know, it was it was an ending. And <laughs> though though there are many things I wish were different about it. Um, like I agree with you that, the, you know, the very, very ending image was good. It was it was like a good. I felt like it was earned. Yeah. So that's fine, but it's not like the most in excited. There were, I will say, there were points of this movie that are a little sluggish mm-hmm. to me. Um, and for a ninety-minute movie, I don't think that that should be the case. I don't think you should ever feel like you're sludging through when a movie is only ninety minutes. Yeah. So. And like, I'm also now, in retrospect, kind of pissed um at the fact that i think if you look this movie up they use that last image a lot for their marketing of it and it kind of ruins the whole fucking movie what the fuck yeah they do and also i looked up the trailer for this and they give away so much in the trailer i'm glad i didn't watch the trailer beforehand Mm -hmm. i watched it after okay i didn't watch it at all yeah, I'm like, okay, shoot. I wouldn't have seen. Why would I even need to see the movie <laughs> <laughs> at this point? Because they give they give away a lot of the twists. Oh, do they? The oh, yeah. Yeah, if I knew so, that they were all dead, like going into it or something like that, that would just just ruin it. Yeah, because I I think that was one of the best 
twists mm-hmm. was that she was basically alone in the apartment building because that's almost scarier than living with crazy neighbors. Yeah. Is that, oh, I'm literally the only person in this building besides the priest who does <laughs> never leaves his apartment? Like, yeah, I think that's even scarier. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, three, three out of five black and white cake birthday cakes for me. Yeah, we'll get some me. But, homies, if any of you are <laughs> interested in this movie... Um, I love the way you said that. <laughs> I mean, it, it may, which is a possibility. You might be, even after listening to all of this, It's I watched it on Tubi, um, so it's on there. Yeah, so if you'd like to, check it out. Um, or if you've already watched it, let us know what your guys' thoughts is uh as you can see it's a crazy one that's why we basically went scene by scene there is a lot <laughs> there's a lot going on in this yeah. movie i don't even think um, we covered everything either <laughs> no we didn't yeah we skipped some stuff for sure but we hit the we hit the most important ones <laughs> <laughs> true um but yes i if anybody has seen this i would love to know what your thoughts are on it yeah um let us know on our social media. We are homies of horror on everything. Or you can email us if you'd like. We are homies of horror at gmail.com. And also feel free to reach out if you have requests, recommendations, or any business inquiries. Uh, you can reach out to us through either our social media or our email. As always, if you are so inclined you can head on over to apple podcasts and you can leave us a rating or review on there we really really appreciate it it helps boost us and helps get more eyes and ears on our podcast so if you are liking what you're hearing then please let us know over there and we love hearing from you homies as well Mm -hmm. And and we also do stream on most mondays uh at 6 p.m pacific time we are on twitch and the link to that can be found in all of our social media bios but that is our set aside time to hang out live with the homies talk to you guys in real time um talk some extra tidbits about some horror movies and news that we find out about and also play some really fun spooky games uh i think by the time this comes out we are currently playing left for dead which is a lot of fun so if that's up Mm -hmm. your alley um, please come through. We're having a blast and we'd love to see a lot more homies stopping through and hanging out with us. But other than that, homies, that is going to be it for us this week. We hope you guys have a great rest of your week and we will be catching you next Monday. Catch you later, homies. Bye.